The best brewmasters are obsessed with creating a high-quality, consistent product. That means reducing mash viscosity for better wort separation and increasing brewhouse efficiency. Ultraflow Max from Novazymes helps you achieve both. It's time to brew with enzymes. Increase your brewhouse efficiency and achieve faster filtration today with Ultraflow Max. Order a free sample today at www.brewingwithenzymes.com slash beeredge. I'm Andy Crouch, and thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. Before we get to this week's great conversation with beer educator Chris Legazamo, here's where I ask you to help us out a little bit here at Beer Edge. Underappreciated beer writer John Hall and I work hard to produce interesting podcasts and other content for you. And this is where you can give us a little hand. We've got some cool merch for sale at BeerEdge.com. You can buy a Defend Pills t-shirt or a Camp Rock beer mug and help support independent beer journalism. And if you're itching for more beer content, check out John's podcast, Drink Beer, Think Beer, with new episodes every Wednesday. It's a good listen. Trust me on this one. We're on the socials at The Beer Edge. And if you want to be on the show, or maybe you want to sponsor and help support Beer Edge, or if you know the perfect guest, please drop us a line. Our email is sponsor at beeredge.com. And our DMs are open everywhere. You can hit me up at Beerscribe. My guest today is Chris Legizamon, a beer educator and marketer living and working in San Diego, and one of the new voices of craft beer. Chris has worked at several of Southern California's top breweries, including the aforementioned Stone and Alesmith, as a tour guide and brand ambassador. From his earliest work in the industry, Chris recognized the importance of education, both for himself and for visitors taking his tours. He has honed his approach to beer education, tour by tour, helping to engage with his audience. And he's gotten pretty good at it. Or at least his girlfriend must think so. They met on one of his tours. Chris uses his popular Instagram account, chris.thebeereducator, to promote knowledge about craft beer and to deepen connections to beer. Education is core to Chris's beer identity, both personally and professionally. And through his hard work, He's even managed to achieve the advanced Cicerone designation after studying on bus rides to and from his beer jobs. When the pandemic hit, Chris had to figure out how to migrate his beer education efforts, which had largely relied on tangible and in-person events, to a new reality of learning at a distance. With the blessing and support of his employer, Pure Project, Chris took to hosting Instagram Live events and started a virtual book club. Focused on taking his audience through beer writer Jeff Allworth's The Beer Bible, Chris teamed up with a local beer store, Bottlecraft, to curate a monthly six-pack to accompany each episode of his book club. He also worked with Allworth's publisher, Workman, to provide e-copies of the book to his audience at a discount. His education efforts are engaging, interesting, and creative, just the kind of energy that craft beer needs to sustain itself in an uncertain future. And in our conversation... Chris and I discuss his beer education efforts, his success on social media, how he manages to avoid burning out when things get tough, and what makes for a good tour guide. I start Chris out with a tough question, and it leads to a long pause in his response and a little bit of confusion. 
Here is my conversation with beer educator Chris Legazamo. So a couple weeks ago, I spoke with another San Diegan, Brandon Hernandez, and started him off with this quite this very easy question: Is San Diego America's best beer city? Is this a question? Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I didn't know you were pitching the ball already. All right, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> this is this is the way we like, usually like these interviews to start, which is dead air silence. I didn't I didn't think that was going to be the stumper <laughs> the stumper, but you know who knows. Um. Yes. So, is uh, San Diego America's beer city? That's an incredible question. I think it's awesome because every region of the United States has its own like eclectic beer culture. Um. San Diego, I mean, it's it's put into our DNA. It's what we do on our time off during our lunch break, um, what we do when we're at the beach, where we go to meet friends. It's it's really integrated in the city, and I would have to say it's either top two, top three. Which, which of the other two? I'm just curious. What are they up against? Um, I am... I absolutely love Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I was tending bar at Pure Project Balboa, and someone came in with a stew pat and I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, it was a rainy day. I remember walking into Stube, uh, trying four of their beers, walking around the corner, Ruben's around there. You have the masonry in Fremont. And mm-hmm. it was just this like, just everyone knew each other. Um, the, the drinking culture in Flagstaff, Arizona, everyone, every beer tender knew of another beer tender and they all recommended each other. And it was something special. It was really tight knit. So. You don't hear a lot of shout outs for uh, for Flagstaff as a as a great American beer city, but I like that. It's tightened it. And that's that's what the beer community is about is like just being great friends with each other and being respectful and enjoying a good beer. So walk us a little bit through your background for those, you know, for the listeners who don't uh, who aren't familiar with you. you know, how did you end up getting into beer and what did you do, I guess, a little bit before you got into beer? Absolutely. So my name is Chris Guzman. I'm an advanced Cicerone. I'm the education program manager at Pure Project Brewing here in sunny San Diego. I went to college in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. I'm originally from Reading, Pennsylvania and turned 21. And my buddy Sean Burns says, hey, we're going to go to a beer festival at Appalachian Brewing Company. I go there and just something clicked. And instead of being that that beer that 21 year old that's like oh i'm gonna try to drink as fast as i can to to get the most of my 35 dollars i was the one who was like walking through my friend and saying hey did you notice the texture on that one did you notice (laughs) the aroma on this one and everyone looked at me a little differently and i ended up rubbing shoulders with some of the brewers um and i kind of realized like that's where my 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 interest led into I ended up graduating college with a physics degree. I worked at a battery factory Monday through Friday as a QC engineer. And then on the weekend, I worked at a really small little brew pub, probably the size of a living room. It's called Chatty Monks in West Reading. It's the first one in town. And I was the only employee that wasn't actually part of the family, like that, mm. the, the circle of friends, right? The family friends. And after that, I realized that I was a big fish in a small pond I seemed too interested into the beer and I said to my dad I was like hey dad sounds kind of crazy but if I pack if I pack up one suitcase do you mind if I fly out to San Diego where I'd love to visit I know there's a bunch of breweries there's renewable energy 
And he said, go for it. You know, you don't have any kids. You don't have, any, you don't have a mm-hmm. car. You don't have a house. Go for it. And there was just something always some, there was something about beer that always captivated me. I ended up become a tour guide at Mission Brewery. Um, after that, I worked for my favorite brewery of all time, uh, which was Stone Brewing. I was a tour guide there underneath Ken Wright. Then I worked at one of the most prestigious brewery in the nation, Alesmith Brewing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at Pure Project. And I've both, I've come through the ranks of BJCP, uh, Cicerone, and now I find myself here. Yeah, so you have worked at you know quite a few different places, and you're talking about um, you know the importance of tours and and that as sort of a a way for people to kind of get into beer, and whether or not it's through you know like a festival like you're talking about, or mm-hmm. you know that front lines, you know whether it's a a bartender or a beer tender or the tour guide. Why you know especially now that we haven't been able to do it for so long, uh, what do you think? Why are tours important? What's their value? Each each company should have a purpose. Um, each company should have a philosophy and that's where the tour really plays into it. Um, if not, I mean, you hear the, oh, it's, I've seen, I've seen stainless steel before and Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we all use stainless steel, but when you really click with a company, when the consumer no longer wants to buy for the sake of buying, but buying because they believe in, um, that's where your tour guide comes in and they really open your mind to a vast, I mean, local people making a local product that locals are proud of, there's there's something deeper than just a carbonated beverage. Um, so tours really help you see how amazing beer is, the process it takes, the hard work, the attention to detail, and people's livelihood. There are people who are extremely passionate and have made careers of this. So you learn to appreciate what other people are doing, which is pretty rad. And what makes a good tour guide? I mean, I've been on hundreds, if not thousands of <laughs> tours over the years. And, you know, some of them are just, you know, as passive as, you know, like you said, here's another stainless steel tank. Here's mm-hmm. this, here's that. And it, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of story. There's not a lot of passion there. You know, what do you think makes a good tour guide? It's re- I mean, you have to ask questions. Uh, at the end of the day, we're humans. Um, ask questions, see where people are coming from. You know, those, those moments right before the tour starts, you could see the eager eyes. And you just say, hey, like, where are you coming from? Oh, I'm coming from Massachusetts. I'm coming from, um, I don't know, St. Paul. And then as I am, I'm a big, I read about beer and breweries that I've never, ever been to. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, like, their core beer lineup. And, like, if you mention, hey, like, have you been to this place? And you just start connecting with people, um, body language, just you're here to enlighten them, gauge the room and I mean, what an honor to be representing a whole company at that moment for that 45 to an hour. Like that's, that's, that's a lot of weight on you and take it with pride. Um, be charismatic and I mean, blow some minds. That's the whole point. And what were some of your go-to tricks? What, you know, what were the things that you would do that, you know, make the crowd really kind of, kind of be interested? Cause a lot of times, you know, they, um, you know, I've been to places that, you know, like Lakefront in Milwaukee always ran a really mm-hmm. great tour. And one of the reasons they did was they they said, well, we know that, you know, people aren't necessarily here to listen to us, but they certainly listen better with a beer in their hand. Um, and, while th- <laughs> and while that's helpful, you know, it also it's 
the tours where you have that dynamic personality, the person who, as you said, is representing the brand as opposed to mm-hmm. just simply walking you through the aforementioned space, seeing, you know, here's this on the left, here's this on the right with total dispassion. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple, like, how do I say this? Um, there's two ways of approaching a tour. Um, so let's say you have those, you want to make everyone comfortable at the end of the day. So let's say you come in, and there's just a bunch of beer nerds and this is your first time at a brewery, I would just toss out some questions, you know, like who's the biggest craft brewery in, in the United States independently owned and people would raise their hands. And of course the people dressed out all in like brewery gear, they would get it wrong. And then other people are like, Oh wait, if they got it wrong, I'm in the same level as them. And you just let them know it's yingling 1829. So you kind of like break the ice. You kind of have people engage. You ask some questions um, the hardest part was always like at Stone, it was the beer was at the end. So people would just the gr- disgruntled folk would be like, oh, I really wanted just the beer. And yeah. I'm like, hey, you know what? Come on. Like, maybe you might learn something. And you really just lean your body towards them in body pos- postures, really guide their eyes up, moving them to the left, moving them to the right and really connecting with them. Um, I would I would be a, a kid at a candy store at Mission Brewery and there was like a, a bar at the table and I, not like coyote ugly style but i would <laughs> I, I looked at my manager i'm like dude i'm we have a tour of 30 people like this is a small quarter i'm really short can i just jump on this bar and just <laughs> just project my voice and they're like yes chris go for it and i just jumped on and i'm a young 24 year old and just preaching the good word of beer and really like connecting with them and I don't know. There was something about that, that those tours that even as a, um, uh, an semi introvert, I know it sounds kind of weird, but like a semi introvert, I find myself when I'm talking about something that I love, people gravitate mm-hmm. towards it. And I've just been running with it for the last seven years. So as someone who you know, self describes as an introvert was the idea of speaking to sort of that larger crowd, um, something that you, you initially thought you were going to be capable of doing, or was it something that you thought was just going to drain your energy? You know, how do how did you kind of make that work? There's a balance between two. So I'm not the loudest in the room. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I've never been that person. I'm that intellectual. I've read my books and I'll like toss in some really awesome anecdotes, but there, there has to, there has to be a balance in my life. Um, I can't do, I would do tours after tours back to back and I would be drained like I just did a marathon. Mm. But if I'm able to take a break, just connect with people and then say, Hey, I'm going to take a lunch right now and then I'll do the next tour. That's when I really found my sweet spot. Um, there has to be a balance and that's kind of like the, the thing that I'm at right now where I'm running social media, doing my virtual book club, take some time for myself, engage with uh, the people that are joining me in this journey, and then go back into again. So kind of trying to find a balance between introvert and then an educator. And beer education, as you just noted, is one of your your big areas. Frankly, it's in it's in your own name on Instagram. It's Chris, the beer educator. And we'll definitely talk about the, the virtual book club and, and some of your other activities mm-hmm. on there. But um, how did you end up transitioning into more of the social media side of the, of things? Yeah. So, uh, as everyone's going to tell you, uh, yeah, so COVID, uh, happened (laughs) and, uh, 
So, so not a, not a lot of, not a lot of call for tours at that point. Right. Right. I don't think so. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, stay at home. So I was tour guide. I did IG lives for Pure project, um, which that was all Matt Robar's idea. He was like, Hey Chris, we're going to engage with our, with our guests. And I was like, uh, sure. (laughs) And, uh, and then once the lights are on and I'm talking about beer, I'm really smooth. But um, so I'm at my I'm quarantined with my girlfriend, Candace. We're at her. We're watching her parents house. And I'm just there's something missing in my life. And I mean, everyone's enjoying stay at home orders. Um, I mean, you're watching all the Netflix and mm-hmm. uh, Tiger King. You can. But then I'm just like, I have to I have to teach. I have to I have to talk about beer. And she's looking at me like, Chris, you're anti. Like, there's a pool. Go go swim some laps. And I'm like. <laughs> No, it sounds like crazy, but I'm going to launch Curse of Beer Educator. I'm going to highlight the people who brought me to the platform that I'm at right now as an advanced Cicerone. I'm going to talk about beer, get some people really excited about what I'm passionate about. I'm going to do it virtually. And she just knew, hey, this is this is what he's always done. Um, and I just found a way doing it virtually instead of in person. Here's your ticket for the tour. Beers at the end. You noted that you have become an advanced Cicerone. I think you're one of only a handful or a very small number in San Diego. Is that right? One of two. And I got a buddy who's about to take the uh, tasting portion of the advanced Cicerone. So I'm rooting for him right now. How did you decide to take education or, or, or trying to get your knowledge to a level where you needed or wanted that credential? Because you know the Cicerone, you know, some of the earlier parts of Cicerone are you know, not not the easiest thing but they you know they're right. they're achievable <laughs> advanced cicerones that's a different animal altogether that's a different level of dedication yeah um in a weird way this was kind of like boot camp for me mm-hmm. um so what i did was um i'm gonna i worked at a brewery and honestly Things just weren't growing the way we we wanted. I wasn't being empowered, stuff like that. Transition over maybe a couple months, possibly a couple years to keep it nice and vague. I was completely dedicated to, okay, I'm going to get into craft coffee. I really like coffee. My parents are Colombian. I'm going to transition and I'm not going to be a BJCP judge. I'm not going to judge homebrew. I'm not going to go over uh, across the different country to judge the beers. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I'm going to go coffee route. And then um, one Wednesday, uh, rainy day on a Wednesday at a Starbucks, my old supervisor, Kira, who's now the director of operations at Pure Project, sits down with me. He's like, hey, Chris, I know you're doing big things in beer. What's the next what's the next project? You know, with really excited eyes. And she looks at me and I, and I look at her and I'm like, guess what? I'm actually out of it. And she's like, there's no way. Not you. Like, this is what you're this is what you itch. Like, you can see it in your eyes. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Times were tough. You know, I just no longer got that spark. And she said, apply to Pure Project. See what happens. See what, 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 the, what the best is, the worst is you go, no. The best is like you get hired. Mm-hmm. Things happen. I get hired and I'm looking at this tap list and I'm like, oh my God. Uh, I went from not wanting to smell and evaluate a beer to now working at one of the better breweries in San Diego. I'm going to... I'm going to attack the advanced Cicerone exam, which I always wanted to. And the next one is in Kent, Washington. And it's, I got hired in late January and in February I decided, and the exam was in April 24th. It's the day before my mom's birthday. Mm. 
So I had maybe two and a half months. Oof. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I've already dropped X amount of money on this. I already bought the flight and I'm just going to attack it. And I would study five hours a day, every single day, 5 a.m., be done by be done by 10, go to work, finish work, review my note cards next day. And it was just two and a half uh, months of that. And um, after a lot of uh, hard work, I was able to pass it um, up in Kent, Washington. I got the news in June or July. And ever since, I've been just enjoying it and trying to get other people um, up to that level. So why Cicerone? Why did you decide that this was something, you know, obviously it's a challenge and certainly, you know, it requires a massive amount of information, but just, it's such a, it's such a, requires such a dedication, almost like studying for, you know, the bar exam or something along those Mm -hmm. lines. Uh, You know, why Cicerone? Why do it? Why Cicerone? Um, I believe there comes a point in any career, any industry that you want to be challenged, um, depending on like your own personality, but I want to be challenged. I want to see if I've reached a level, if I could like slap that, like that marker and say, yep, I'm at this level Mm. now. I'm able as a runner, I'm able to do a five minute mile, that type of, uh, those type of feats. So I, I really believe Cicerone really encapsulates that. I believe in hospitality. I believe in, the ambiance that we're able to create in the tasting room. And I said, and I just, I just sat down. Of course, the story of the advanced drone is the complete opposite. It's like, let me get back at my, my, get my stuff back to back, back in line. Um, But Cicerone was just that. And I also maximize on the BJCP without BJCP and Cicerone working in line with each other. There is no Chris, the beer educator, because I had to go into those homebrew. I had the ability to work and to judge beer in front of Skip Virgilio, who started Alesmith, mm-hmm. um, with Grandmaster Beer Judge Peter Zion, level number two. Like I've been able to judge beer with some of the best beer judges in the nation and at the same time study about hospitality and Cicerone and draft systems. So BJCP and Cicerone kind of works in line and you reach a level and you say, hey, I'm going to push myself a little harder and I'm going to try to slap that marker and say, okay, I've, I could, this, this, I have the certification to say I'm at this level in my career. There has been some criticism of of Cicerone and I guess beer education in general as a kind of a form of gatekeeping as kind of a way Mm -hmm. to keep, keep, you know, folks out, you know, who, you know, don't otherwise have the credential. What do you, how would you respond to that? It's really sad, to be honest. Um, there's two ways of looking at it. So the first way is I, I was having a beer with my friends from Seattle, and they looked at me and they said, Chris, you are the nicest, most least pretentious advanced cistrone we've ever met. <laughs> and I sat there and I was like, that is the most disheartening thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, because you have a certification doesn't change your personality and mm-hmm. doesn't make you any better than anybody else. And you're going to get schooled by someone who doesn't have any credentials or any certifications. They just put their work in um, behind the scenes. Um, And I think, I think you try, don't let the title get to your head. I mean, the whole point of uh, Cicerone was always to provide a better beer experience. Dirty draft lines really pushed Ray Daniels to say, Hey, glassware, dirty draft lines, beer styles, really empowering the industry as a whole. It wasn't to diminish it. And there's a little bit almost like a pushback to say, oh, 
here comes a Cicerone, kind of like what Sommelier has mm-hmm. gone through over the years. And it's why talk down or why I like to talk bad about a certification that really um, cements people's knowledge um, via exam. Instead, we should be like, hey, you know what? I should totally do that. And we really need to start making it a an emphasis that certified Cicerones, advanced Cicerones, master Cicerones have an open door policy and say, hey, if you have ever any questions, literally just reach out to me. And that's the way I've always been. And I do that in person. I do that uh, on social media. It's, hey, if you need any help with need clarification, dude, that's why I'm here. I'm here to, we're going to lift everyone up. The best brewmasters are obsessed with creating a high quality, consistent product. That means reducing mash viscosity for better wort separation and increasing brew house efficiency. UltraFlow Max from Novazymes helps you achieve both. Order a free sample today at www.brewingwithenzymes.com slash beer edge. You had noted earlier, I think, you know, in the conversation you had had with Kira, that at that point in your in your career, you I don't know if it, you would describe it as burnout or you just you're mm-hmm. just you're just at a at a point where you've you kind of had enough of you know just the beer industry or just your experiences at that point, um, and you're mm-hmm. looking at maybe going a different direction. You should talk more about just how were how were you feeling at that time? What was it you know that had kind of gotten you to that point that you were thinking you know maybe coffee, maybe something else. Right. Um, it's really interesting because unlike any other industry, I mean, you could probably line it with the wine industry, but beer has a rich history, has a deep culture. Um, your ESBs, your we heavies, the influence of a Belgian golden strong, there is, there's substance to it. And when we discredit substance and discredit rich history, we then fall on, this is just a fermented beverage. So there was like times where I would propose ideas of celebrating beer history that kind of fell onto deaf ears at times. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little bit of frustration. And that's where I was. And, you know, I mean, the great companies all move alike and we all go through different phases in our, in our lifespan. But at that time, maybe it was, it was just something that, I was just really amped on educating the, the, the public. And at that time, through certain management, it just wasn't there. And um, it was simply, hey, just pull the lever type of talk. And, and from there, I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I am caring about this too much. So that's the reason I was kind of leaving it. And coffee, it's, it's sensory driven. Mm. There's agricultural driven. It is people driven that nowadays is really starting to get shine the light. So I was kind of leaning more towards, Hey, maybe I could do this in a different realm. And what has your experience been like at pure? Now pure is a place that we have 8,500 or more breweries in this country. And especially with Mm -hmm. the last couple of years of, of, of sort of lockdown here, I haven't been able to travel as much as I've wanted, but pure is one of those ones that you hear about from time to time, but also just out of the blue, I've been sent, you know, I've been sent samples in the mail. And so I've gotten to enjoy quite like you're talking about just a range of styles uh, and different things that just keep showing up. And usually someone will send me, you know, here's all of my IPA or here's all all of this, but I've gotten, I don't know, a dozen different styles from pure in, in crazy different shaped bottles. So like what, what, what is pure for folks who, who don't understand it? Uh, so pure project, pure project is a philosophy. It is a, so it's a company, um, 
originally from Costa Rica. They didn't have the ability to source the best hops or really exotic hops or exotic yeast. So they worked closely with the local farmers. And that's where they really built that mentality of build, build a relationship with local farmers and really know what's in season and really focus on the environment, your environmental impact. As a manufacturer, you will leave an environment, you will leave um, a, uh, a carbon footprint. So try to reduce your, your negative effects towards the world. So after that Costa Rican project, just at the time wasn't feasible due to, this, um, due to the country status, due to um, the impact that they would have had on the world. They pulled the plug on that. They went to Miramar and then they found Winslow Sawyer. And Winslow was this, uh, he worked at a homebrew shop. He was a head brewer by the age of 21 at Boulder Creek. And this guy just knew about, had a close relationship with farmers. And from there, that's kind of where the nourishment of Pure Project really grows. Um, we Winslow was doing like spontaneously fermented sours, spawn beers as a home brewer. And he would always play the long game. Like he, he believed in Flanders Reds. He believed in mixed fermentation saisons. And at the same time, he really cherished the farmers. So we relayed that in such a way where we'll make two IPAs every two weeks, but we'll also toss in a Belgian Golden Strong. Um, we'll make a beer recently. We have it on tap right now, searching for the sound. It's aged in plum wine sourced from Mission Trails, Bradley, California, and then organic cherries, organic raspberries from Washington State. So knowing where every bit of each beer comes from really plays into the story and why we even made the beer. Um, and there should be a beer for everybody walking into our tasting room. And part of as part of your role, I think, in Pure Project, and this I don't think this is an independent thing, and, and you sort of alluded to it earlier, the impacts of the mm-hmm. pandemic, you know, you've gone kind of heavy into online beer education and through Instagram Live uh, and mm-hmm. just the online. What is your kind of role there? What are you, what are you trying to do? Uh, at Pure Project or on my own social oh, media on the, on the Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's both because you did it start with Pure? <laughs> um, it it semi started with Pure. So when I worked at the biggest breweries, such as Stone, the most prestigious ones, such as Ale Smith and little guys like Mission Brewery, um, I've always realized that there was a disconnect between the, uh, the back of the house and the front of the house. Mm-hmm. So I really made it as uh, being one of 13 employees at Pure Project, I made it an emphasis to be a liaison between both. And then I eventually became a liaison between the back of the house and um, the public, the guests tuning in virtually. So um, it really developed into kind of letting people know what they're purchasing, what why to believe in this new beer, why to believe in what we're doing as companies. Um, And then I just kept that mentality on my own personal side and say, hey, like, well, I believe in a Scottish ale. When was the last time we revisited a Belhaven Scottish ale? Or what is a barley wine? What is an old ale? Or even get into Saison. And then it just just celebrates what people do because people in agriculture equals beer. and we've, I'm just a liaison between um, the rich history of beer and the people and that Pure Project, what the people at the back of the house and uh, the public. And in part of the thing that you're doing on, on with Chris, the beer educator, is 
the virtual book club, which I think is such a cool idea. Um, you know, there, we've obviously had plenty of books written over the years, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've not really seen a lot of, and especially with you know the pandemic and just online availability, just being able to get together with other folks and discuss some of these, you know, the rich parts of these books, whether it's style based or history based mm-hmm. or tasting. Uh, but you've taken it, you know, kind of a step beyond that. You know, this isn't just having, you know, Jeff Allworth, you know, read a couple paragraphs <laughs> and interviewing him like it was some kind of a Q&A at your local bookstore. You know, you've right, got a right, such right. system set up where you've kind of teamed up with his publisher to provide, you know, e-copies of the book. You send beer to people, you know, through Bottlecraft. Talk, talk to me about this virtual book club that you've set up. Yeah, so um, always I'm always trying to challenge myself, and I think I've like exceeded all my expectations yeah. and all my goals, and now I'm here, uh, which is still semi surreal. I'm like pinching myself. So my first go at a virtual book club it was at the start of the pandemic, and I looked at my girlfriend and I said, "Everyone should read Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher," because I'm gonna say it honestly, I bought her a copy and she didn't read it, and I was like, God. Goodness. come on my babes my loves the love of my life um so i was like you know what i'm just gonna do it online and i teamed up with some of my friends uh such as noah of stone brewing not over at virgin my friend jacob over at white labs and just like other beer educators around town to just really talk about tasting beer once i was done with that series um i got interviewed and someone said hey what's your favorite beer book and i said single-handedly Hands down, drop the mic, The Beer Beer Bible by Jeff Allworth. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite, favorite book. And it's what really caught me to that next level. And after a couple weeks of just like looking at the book, I said, it's 600 pages, but we could go through it. And um, just kind of like the mentality of the worst you could get is a no. Mm -hmm. I reached out to, I thought about it and I said, there are, certain elements that um certain obstacles i should say that come when it comes to beer education the first one is financially investing um slash trying to find the book or trying to go to your local bookshop the second is when i was quarantined with my girlfriend um cicero was doing the tasting together series and one of them was orval and I'm running through these stores and I'm like, there's no Orval. There's mm-hmm. no Orval anywhere. How am I supposed to learn about Orval if there's no Orval? So trying to source these bottles. And uh, the third is um, during quarantine, I wasn't able to do what I do in BJCP, which is talk with someone else about what I'm tasting. So those are my three obstacles. And I said, okay, I'm going to toss it out there. Uh, Workmen Publishing, who are amazing human beings, and we're actually going to be working together in October. Um can can we get a free ebook if they pre-order you know because you don't want to get the same book two different editions within the span of six months Mm -hmm. and they said that's a fantastic idea and i jaw drop said perfect and um we teamed up with the homebrewer the homebrewer on el cajon boulevard here in san diego george thornton was like hey we can make that happen and we made it happen sold a bunch of pre-orders people got their ebook um second tackle was bottle craft and talk with Gene, uh, the beer buyer of Bottlecraft. And I said, Gene, I'm going to toss this out there. What if we curate a six pack with the beers, the, the sections that we're talking over each month? And we could, it could be local. And then he said, you know, we could distribute too. And I was like, perfect. 
we could distribute as well. So um, I've had people from New Mexico, North Carolina, uh, reach out, purchase their beer kits. I'm of course shipping is gonna be a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. but we'll ship them. We'll ship that over to them, and they'll read the books, try the beers, and it's really like cementing that information because you're able to taste what you're reading. And then the third one, which was sensory, uh, a good friend of mine who's Lindsay Barr of Draft Lab, mm-hmm. we had lunch together, and I was like, hey, like I'm thinking about doing this. Uh, kind of like connecting with people about sensory. And she's like, I'm actually launching sample ox. It's customer driven. So you create the flavors and then they get to break down the beer on their own time and compare notes with what you're tasting. And I was like, okay. And she <laughs> granted me the licensing for it. And now we do that every month. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a multi-step uh, project. It's a lot of work, just to let you know. Yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> on top of working a full-time <laughs> job and creating new projects and events at Pure Project that's never been done before in the beer industry um, up to this date, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's 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 and then finding balance with your own personal life, your romantic life, and yeah. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I mentioned finding balance in all of that. Sounds, you know, it sounds like as someone who understands this from his personal life, it sounds like a little imbalance. You know, there seems like it's a right. lot of lot of beer. It's a lot of beer. It's a, uh... and then that's where coffee comes into play. Okay. That's where I slow down. I learn about anaerobic fermentation, also known as carbonic carbonic maceration. Um, when it comes to coffee. I learn about different regions, what does the altitude do, and I really got to refresh. It's kind of like you're looking at a screen for too long and you got to look at it something else. Mm-hmm. That's that's what coffee is for me. So I'm finding balance and learning different things and still trying to like trying to like keep that fire alive for educating others in terms of beer. Uh, in the past year, the beer industry has experienced uh, a growing reckoning in several areas, including racism and sexism, have long festered, sort of unaddressed. You know, what has been your response to what you've seen so far in the last year or two? Yeah, um, there's, there's, a, it's interesting. So, yes, a lot of things have been brought up, and I think we just have to have the honest conversation, not just sweep things underneath the rugs and say, oh, it's actually not happening. Um, be very honest with ourselves and be quite frank. Um, when I was doing an IG live with George Thorin, we were talking about American ales and, um, the George Floyd, um, uh, the murder of George Floyd just happened or was, uh, Brianne, uh, uh, Brianne Taylor. And we sat there and we're talking about American ales, but at one point we're just like, we have to address the, we have to address the issue. And we just went into this really deep understanding and realization of what's happening in America. Um, and at Pure Project, they, of course, brewed uh, Black is Beautiful, focusing, and then proceeds went to urban gardening, which lowers uh, crime rates um, statistically in uh, impoverished neighborhoods and also brings uh, better healthy food to them as well. Um, and then we launched a DEI committee. It was Cassie and I. And then um, Brianne Allen of Notch Brewing um, br- shed some light on just straight up anti-sexist uh, misogyny, mm-hmm. like just just really heavy things. 
And we quickly were able to do a code of conduct. We were able to really turn on a dime. We've done um, actual internal events where we address what's happening and we really bond with each other and really stand up for each other. So you have to be proactive on these issues. You have to come to grips that it's not fairy tale or sweep it on the rug, address them, be in the moment. Um, they are heavy topics. So give yourself some time, give yourself some space, revisit it when you need to. Um, it can be overwhelming, but be honest and be proactive, be an activist, be, be compassionate and, and think about others kind of like being a tour guide. Just, Hey, let me, I'm here for you. What do you need? What can I help you? What, how can I empower you? Same thing, but with, um, other issues that are a lot deeper than just, Hey, this is stainless steel. I think that's good advice all the way around. And I like how as a writer, I always like the, the beginning to kind of match the end and bring it back as a tour guide. I think is a nice touch. I think that is a, it's a, <laughs> I think it's a good point. I see why you're good at this. Thank you. I appreciate that. So where do you go from here? You, it's obviously been a pretty busy year. You've had, you know, even with some downtime or just time at home, you've certainly maximized that and, and branched out. You know, where do you want to take, you know, Chris, the beer educator or your work into the future? That's, that's, that's always, that's, that's a question I get a lot and it always like catches me off guard every single time. Um, I'm going to say it's kind of like, I want to go for the crown, but I don't want to go for the crown, the title without an army. So in my head, I'm building an army of well-educated beer enthusiasts, beer professionals from all around the world that come together and they know beer and we're really raising the bar. So I, it's not a solo act for me. It's, the best compliment is, Hey, I learned from Chris and here's what I, this is what we talked about on the IG live. Um, I'm just here to raise the bar, raise the industry as best as I can. I am a person for the people. Um, and yeah, just get people excited, get people stoked. Hopefully ideally get the most amount of certified Cicerones in San Diego, um, get the most advanced Cicerones in San Diego and ideally even the most master Cicerones in San Diego. What if our beer culture, we don't have just the most amount of breweries, which is 160 plus, but we also have the most knowledgeable, richest back of the house, like front of the house staff possible. Mm-hmm. That when people come from all around the nation, they say, holy smokes, that, that beer tender knew what they were talking about. And then we went to the other brewery and they knew what they were talking about. So it becomes a really deep education culture in San Diego, not simply um palm trees and delicious fish tacos and <laughs> delicious ipas which are all delicious <laughs> well chris i want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us it's been very interesting i look forward to to continuing to follow your your ig live and, and to see where things go in the future awesome andy thanks so much and if you're ever in san diego literally come through um we'll drink some three-year spontaneous beers from pure project using all california grain uh, spontaneous fermented in three different locations. We will, I mean, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll really dive into that tab list together. Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. My partner, John Hall, and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. 
We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at andy at with your thoughts. Thanks for your support. The best brewmasters are obsessed with creating a high-quality, consistent product. That means reducing mash viscosity for better wort separation and increasing brewhouse efficiency. Ultraflow Max from Novazymes helps you achieve both. It's time to brew with enzymes. Increase your brewhouse efficiency and achieve faster filtration today with Ultraflow Max. Order a free sample today at www.brewingwithenzymes.com/beeredge.